0: Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Hi, today I have with me a wonderful contributor to 100 Entrepreneurs, Fezun Kamal, who is a franchise consultant and knows more about franchises and franchising than anyone I know. And Hi, how are you, Fezun? Nice to have you here. Hi, Amanda. It's so nice to be here with you. Fezun, can you start off by talking to us about a franchise? What is a franchise? Fantastic question. Um, I would answer
1: you this way, Amanda. A franchise essentially is a proven business model, proven in the sense that it has existing franchisees, and these are owners uh, of that business. They are running their particular location under the banner of the mothership, if you will, the the company, the franchise. And these existing franchisees, uh, if the brand is domestic across the United States, if it's a global brand around the world, these franchisees have demonstrated over time that they are successful and are making the kind of income that the franchise told them they would be able to make if, and here's the if, if the franchisee follows the playbook that the franchise provides. This Mm. is perhaps the biggest difference between a franchise business, Amanda, and any other kind of business that you will find out there. Typically, and the the best way I can say this is typically when somebody starts a business from scratch. So let's take, for example, I might decide I want to open up a plumbing company and I incorporate online and I I, I get a sign that says Fizun's Plumbing LLC. And I put my shingles up, and I'm a a business now. Typically, what happens with a startup business like that is you literally figuratively start from scratch. You create systems for yourself. You create processes for yourself. You get out there, and you start shaking the trees to get clients. Everything you have to begin, everything you have to produce uh, from ground zero, if you will. With a franchise, and this is this is a phrase that I use a lot with my clients. I tell them, you know, with a franchise, you are absolutely in business for yourself, but you are never in business by yourself. You will always have the support of your franchisor in the background, supporting you with various sorts of things essential for you to, over time, grow and scale your business to the point where you are making the kind of money that you had hoped you would be able to make.
0: So what is contained in a playbook, a franchise
1: playbook? Think of of a playbook as an operations manual, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be anything from what are the ways in which you will get out there to generate new clients, what sort of marketing campaigns and marketing tools do you need? Because remember, we currently, just in the United States, we have a little more than 3,000 different franchises. And these franchises span every industry category you can imagine, from automotive to food to retail, health, wellness, children, education, seniors. I mean, name it. It's out there. And when you have different industry categories, by definition, the business model, the corresponding business model is going to be quite different. And Mm -hmm. in order for a franchisee to come in into a business and to take it from the ground up and scale very quickly, and this is the other thing, one of the biggest differences between a franchise and other types of business is typically if you have aligned yourself with a reputable, robust franchise business, you should be able to scale faster to profitability than you otherwise would if you had a business that you started from scratch. That's one of the how, biggest distinguishers.
0: Well, that's great. How, how does that work? I mean, how, why does that happen? Why do you reach profitability? Well, a it, well, it
1: happens because it happens because when you begin the business, and typically every franchise is going to say this to you. They'll say, "Amanda, you have now signed on as a franchisee as the business owner." there's typically anywhere between three to five key responsibilities that are yours. Uh, it's, it's almost always local marketing. It is client generation. It's business development. It's networking. These are some of the key things that almost every franchise will require you as the business owners to do. In addition to these few things that I just mentioned, Amanda, think of as a business owner the 101 other things every single day that we have to take care of. You're putting out information. You know, this is the age of social media, letting people know that you are out and about and you're offering a certain product or service. You are trying to update your website. You're trying to do billing and be billed for services you've provided, on and on and on. With a robust franchise, the franchisor is going to say to you, you, Amanda, go out there and take care of the three to five key things that only you and you can do. The other, more, what I call back-end administrative functions, we as the franchisor are going to take care of those. Mm-hmm. This is what distinguishes a franchisee from a from a small business owner. In that, you have now, as a franchisee, freed up a freed up a significant amount of your time every single day to be able to hone in on the key core couple of functions that you should do. And if you take time away from those activities and do other, what I call non-essential activities, you are essentially leaving money on the table. You are not doing what you need to grow your business and add to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And the franchise will tell you every single time you should not do that. This is what we are here for. You're paying us a monthly royalty. We are providing a service to you, and the service includes A, B, and C, many, many of the back-end administrative functions, which if you are focusing on as the owner, you are essentially wasting your time.
0: Does that make sense? Yes. And so, as a franchisor, you have business development occurring on the local level through your franchisees. and. Mm -hmm. That, but they own that business, and somehow they participate. They, they, there's a payment to the franchise to, uh, on the basis of those businesses, correct? Yes. In some form. And how does that work? So typically, so this is this is what's referred
1: to as the royalty, and the royalty is usually a monthly payment, and that mm-hmm. monthly amount. Uh, it is determined by the company that you're becoming a franchisee of. Um, it's it's a range. There's no set number. Um, there are really two ways that you can have a royalty payment. What's called a flat fee payment, um, and then what's called um, goodness. I'm blanking on the name now. But essentially, the flat fee the flat fee payment the flat royalty payment is one where, regardless of the amount of sales that you have annually you will pay the franchisor the same royalty amount per month. Conversely, the second way that royalties can be assessed is when you start out, typically in the first couple of months, you're really not bringing in an income, right? You're ramping up. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, your royalties are probably going to be zero or very, very insignificant. And as your business grows and as your sales grow, the royalties increase correspondingly. Those gotcha. are typically one of the two royalty uh, methods that companies will
0: use to assess that monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, the key things that the, the way that a franchisee pays for their franchise as a business, what are those elements? What, how do they, what is it they need to fund for their franchise typically? Perfect. That's a great question. It's actually one of the
1: biggest concerns, as you might imagine, that clients have when I begin working with them. Um, One of the biggest myths and misperceptions about franchises is, doesn't a franchise cost a million dollars? And the good news is, no, it doesn't. Are there Mm -hmm. franchises that can cost you a million and upwards? Absolutely. Absolutely but not every single one of them requires this this large of an investment. Um, let's take, I'll give you a hypothetical example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A client chooses a business and the all-in investment, now the phrase all-in investment includes a couple of things. Uh, the all-in investment of this particular business is $150,000. It will typically include, number one, the franchise fee, The franchise fee, Amanda, it is a one-time fee that every franchise company out there will assess you, the client, when you buy that business. Think of it as the price of admission. This is what gets you into the game, so to speak. It's a one-time payment that you will make. And again, the amount varies. It can be across the board. Uh, You pay that one-time franchise fee. You will then pay uh, the money that is required for you to open up one location, one unit of that business, including X months of working capital. And the X months, it is really determined by the franchise that you are buying into, where they will say the $150,000 all-in investment amount that we've given you includes three months of working capital when you first open your doors. It includes six months of working capital whatever. But uh-huh. that amount encompasses all the monies that you will need in order for you to be operational in that first year of business. Uh-huh. Now, of the 150000 Amanda, typically you, the client, are expected to come to the table with a third of that money being money that comes from you. So this is cash in a savings or a checking. It can be um, monies that you have in, to, in in the form of stocks and bonds that you can easily liquidate and convert into cash, but it is your money. Not borrowed money, not not a loan that you got from someone, this is your money. The remaining two thirds is what we finance. Now, one of the other key pieces of the work that I do, um, and in, in, in this sense, I would say I'm a one-stop shop for somebody who wants to open a franchise. Uh, once we get to that part of the process where now we are starting to talk about, okay, so Amanda, you've, you've selected the franchise that you believe is going to be the one for you. You've done the due diligence, and here we are. The business costs you $150,000. You are putting anywhere between 45 to $50,000 into it of your money. The remaining 100000 you are getting financed through a variety of mechanisms. It could be an SBA loan. It could be a 401k rollover, and I I don't know how much details you want me to get into it, but essentially, Amanda, the 401k rollover, um, and this is one of the most popular way that clients will fund their business. So essentially, Mm -hmm. typically most people, if they have been an employee, if they've been in the corporate world, will have a retirement account. The way it works, and These are my partners. I don't do this. Um, Funding is not my area of specialization, but I partner with three of the oldest and largest franchise funding organizations in the U.S. And these folks, essentially, they will will work with the client one-on-one to help them set up what they need in order to transfer their monies from their existing retirement account into a new account that is going to be set up for their new franchise. Why clients like this as much as they do is that you are, in essence, borrowing against yourself. On paper, your debt load does not go up. Uh, Clients love that. In fact, uh, and this is something that very few people know, the only way in which the IRS legally allows you to take monies out of your retirement account before you have reached retirement age The only instance is if you are starting a new business. You will not be assessed any penalties. You're not going to get dinged. Uh, Typically, the kinds of things that deter us from taking monies out, right, before we reach the retirement age, none of that happens if you are using that money to start a new business. Uh, And again, my partners that I work with, I will put them in touch with my client, and they do a way better job than I ever will in explaining how all of this stuff works. So there are... And again, in terms of myths and misperceptions, Amanda, there are so many different ways to finance a business. It is pretty astonishing. Um, Mm -hmm. By no means should your listeners or anyone who's interested in starting a franchise think, oh my goodness, you know, I I only have this this amount of money. Does it mean that I, it, it means that I won't be able to start a business of my own. I always say, let's have a first call. And once I start to get a better sense of what the client brings to the table, uh, then I can make more of an informed assessment on, yes, you know, there are some things we could do together, or no, uh,
0: you know, we are pretty limited with what we can do with what you have. So, Faison, you're a franchise consultant. Can you tell me about uh, franchise consultants? What does it mean and what services do you provide to your Absolutely. client? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic.
1: Um, let me answer you this way, Amanda. I would say typically to the person who says, well, you know, what do you do? I say, would you buy a home without using a realtor? Probably not. Would you make a bold career move without the help of an executive recruiter? Uh, probably not, particularly when you get, when you've become middle to senior management. Uh, probably not. And so, expert advice helps when you're buying a franchise too. So, finding so as a franchise consultant, I say to folks, you know, I'm a matchmaker. Now, I'm not a matchmaker for your romantic soulmate. Think of me as a matchmaker for your business soulmate. Um, you've heard me use the phrase, Amanda. Um, I help you find your perfect fit franchise, and your perfect fit franchise is a business. That, that we start to get closer to by first taking an honest inventory of who you, the client, are. What are your skills? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses and blind spots? What comes naturally to you? What conversely feels like pulling teeth? It, the answers to all these questions that I ask my clients are all very good indicators of skills that you, the client, either bring to the table or don't. Why do we do this? Different franchises require different strengths, and you, the client, need to understand how your skill set aligns with a specific franchise model. That is the first thing that we are going to do.
0: when you're looking for a match of skill set to franchise, is there an example you could give us of why or, you know, what is the set of strengths that work well for a particular type of franchise? Perfect.
1: So let me give you the example that I probably know the best, which is me. Um, you know, in, in my business, the key way that I am able to get well-qualified clients who are interested in working with me is doing the franchise workshops that I do for your organization, 100 Entrepreneurs, and many other partners that I have. Now, what does that require? It requires that I'm able to walk into a room filled with strangers who I've never met before, typically, and to be able to take a complex, complicated topic like franchising And to not talk at people, but to be able to have a robust, lively, two-way conversation with a group of strangers where I'm able to engage them, where it's humorous and it's funny and it's instructive and it's educational all at the same time. So that's a key way in which I get my clients. So think of it as the business model that I have and one of the key ways in which I get clients. Take a step back and look at the business owner, me. If I were the kind of person, Amanda, that the thought of speaking with complete strangers made me want to throw up all over myself, I probably would not do very well in this business. Mm -hmm. There needs to be that fit between the business owner and what they like to do and what they're good at and compare and contrast that to the key things needed to be able to grow that particular franchise, that particular business. Th- does that help in terms of skill yes. sets, in terms of alignment, yeah. Right? Yeah. So another example I'll say to you, I do, a, I do a lot of, I attend a lot of networking events. Again, same thing. If I wasn't particularly social, if I was more of a loner, if I wasn't comfortable interacting in big groups, Franchise consulting would probably not be the best fit business for me.
0: Now, on the other hand, the person who is not a networker by choice and doesn't mm-hmm. like to speak to a room full of people, there's probably a franchise that fits other skill sets, too. like Absolutely. Very Absolutely. Operational, uh, an operational. Very, action. exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You you hit the nail on the head. Very, very operational, right? right? So these would be, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, about a year ago, I had a client uh, who came to me. He had been um, an executive in the telecom space for many years. Um, he had gotten laid off for about, at that point when he came to me, he had been laid off for about three months. He had applied to various jobs. Absolutely, did not get the kind of response he was hoping for. Finally, made it to a couple interviews and essentially was offered positions at a level that was much, much lower than what he had left. Pay cut, title cut, name it. And so he thought about it. He looked at it and said, "You know, I am. I'm getting. I, I'm in my early fifties. Um, ageism is very much well and alive in the corporate workplace." Uh, businesses are trying to add to their bottom line by paying as less as they can to experienced employees by bringing in younger people. He recognized that, and he said, you know, I think a franchise at this point is the best option for me. So I did with him what I do with everyone. We started with the skill set inventory. And what came out of it was um, this client He had an incredibly strong skill set in two areas. Number one, he was a whiz at operations, given the work that he had done in the corporate world. And then the second thing, he was fantastic at leading teams of people. Fast forward, we and I'm giving you the abbreviated version here, Amanda, obviously. We Mm -hmm. took those two skill sets. I then looked into my inventory of businesses. I gave him, and the other thing he said to me, he said, you know, I am, um, I have a large family, I have aging parents, um, that is a space that I am, I can't, I, logically, I couldn't tell you why, but I'm innately drawn to older people. I understand them, I understand their needs, I I enjoy that, and this is, this is information that came out of the detailed, extensive consultation that I do with each client, so I took, I, I, I I kind of took that little nugget. I took his two skill sets, ops and HR, team management, and I looked into my inventory and I gave him a business that is referred to as an in-home, non-medical, senior care business. This is a business in which he, as the business owner, is responsible for hiring a team of people who are going to be the caregivers. His team, they will go out and service Clients who have aging family members, et cetera, in their homes provide companionship, care, non-medical care, et cetera, to families as they need it. Um, it was an absolute fantastic fit for him, and he could not have been happier.
0: So here you go, right? So, Telecom executive okay. running a senior care business. Okay, that's great. So um, what about veterans? Would, do veterans make good franchisees? Ah, I love that question. The answer is, Amanda,
1: absolutely, absolutely yes. Veterans make amazing franchisees, and I'll, I'll mention a couple of things, right? Um, I say to the veteran audience, yours being a classic example, you know, boys and girls, the military taught you self discipline, leadership, and teamwork. Can you take those skill sets that you've learned and parlay them into owning your own business? And people think about this for a moment. And I say, you know, many of the factors that made you as a veteran excel within the military environment is exactly what makes you excel within a franchise environment. Number one, franchising represents a marriage between the self-start world of entrepreneurship, and the rigorous discipline needed to follow a playbook and execute an a proven plan. Hmm, where else do you need to follow a playbook? And then the second thing I would say, the ideal franchisee is someone who can take direction and work within guidelines provided by the franchisor, but who can also independently, effectively lead a team and get things done. I find veterans are excellent at these two qualities. They have outstanding leadership and teamwork skills, number one. Again, number two, they have the ability to implement and execute systems. At the end of the day, a franchise, I say to clients, a franchise is not about a product. It is not about a service. At heart, a franchise is all about its system. And you've got to be able to follow the system, implement the system, execute the system. Um, I would say so much so uh, you know one in every seven franchises uh, is owned by a veteran. Uh, it's a number that the franchising industry has actively worked to increase uh, and you Amanda I think you know about the vet program it's something that I talk about with your group and with others. Uh, VetFran was founded, I believe, uh, I want to say 1990, 1991. Uh, it's been an industry-leading initiative. Uh, there are probably close to 700 franchises that are members of VetFran. And essentially what this program does is it offers financial incentives, training, and mentoring to prospective veteran franchisees. Um, you remember I talked about the franchise fee the uh-huh. one-time payment that you make. Uh-huh. If a company, so let's say I'm working with a client who's a vet, and I typically like to show them companies that are part of the vet program. Why? Because as a result of being a vet franchise, the company will offer a significant discount to my client on the franchise fee. It stacks up. It can be a quite significant savings. So that's a very attractive thing that a lot of my Veteran clients like.
0: Hmm, that's great. That's a great idea. Um, so, the veterans do make good franchise. Cons- I mean, good franchisees. Pardon me. And uh, and you, as a franchise consultant, help people like veterans figure out uh, which franchise fits their needs or or meets their goals, basically. And does the does the clients end up paying you, or are you paid through the franchise? Fantastic question. Um, Again,
1: another question that I get a lot of time. Um, I work exactly like an executive headhunter, Amanda. So think of what a headhunter does. It's the same thing I do. I have a handful of companies, in this case franchises, that I partner with. On the other hand, I have a number of potential employees i use the word employees loosely but i have potential employees or clients in this case and through the assessment and the skill set inventory all of the work that i do with each client i through the matching process i bring the two together when uh-huh. the match has been made when the client finds the one that is their perfect fit business and they sign on with the franchise the franchise at that point pays me. I see. So the client never pays me a penny out of pocket.
0: So you have uh, how many franchises that among your your book? How, you know, how many do you represent, and how many are there uh, out there? Fantastic.
1: Um, there are like I said, a little more than 3,000 franchises just in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, I partner with several hundred of those. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people sometimes say, wow, that's not a whole lot compared to how many there are out there. Absolutely. The reason that we work with only several hundred before a company, uh, before a franchise comes into our inventory The company that I am with, uh, the franchise consulting company, they will do rigorous vetting with each franchise, and they they have a set of questions and guidelines that the franchise needs to go through before they can formally come into our inventory. And the reason for doing that is I never want to be in a situation where I have recommended a franchise to a client. The client goes through my process, Buys the franchise and six months later, loses the shirt on his or her back because the franchise suddenly went bankrupt. There were funny issues happening in the background that we did not know about, and they lost their entire investment. Um, in the in the current world that we live in, Amanda, it's unfortunate, but there are many businesses out there that will tell you they're a franchise when, in fact. They want you to sign the check over to them. You wake up in the morning the next day and they're nowhere to be found. Um, There are many, many horror stories that we hear. And again, this is a word of caution to someone who's seriously considering buying a franchise. Not everyone out there who says they do what they do actually does them. You want to be able to align yourself with the reputable, with the robust brands out there. There's no, you know, typically these are companies to give you a sense of the vetting process. Typically, the franchises I represent, there are no bankruptcies on the book. There is no outstanding litigation against them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would say several hundred of, uh, of the most well known brands um, I partner with and represent.
0: Great. Right. Now, does a franchisee earn a good income every year from a franchise typically That is the intent. um I tell
1: my clients the first year, every penny that you make, if I were you, I would reinvest and put back into the business i e you should pretend that you are making zero income mm-hmm. uh by the second year of the business is when you really start to see ramp up happening uh, again keep in mind that first year the first twelve months of the business you are figuring your way around you' you're you're learning the playbook you're trying to figure out how that particular business model works etc uh, but again with the several hundred franchises I represent um, and and actually you the question you ask it takes me to another piece of the of the due diligence process that each client goes through with me. And this particular part of the process, Amanda, is what's known as validation. Validation essentially is when you, the client, um, I, I, I typically will give clients three franchises to look at at any point in time. When you get to the validation part of the process, this is when you are either making phone calls or if the franchisee is local, you are visiting with the franchisees, of the particular businesses that I have given you to investigate. Why do we do this? At the end of the day, as your franchise coach, I know a little bit about a lot of different businesses. The headquarters, the people you're going to be speaking with at corporate of the franchise, they definitely know more than I do about their business. But again, they're in corporate so who better than the franchisees, the existing business owners of those franchises, to tell you, the client, here's what a day in the life looks like? To give you granular details, to for you, the client to ask questions like, so you know, that first year of business, when at what point did you get to break even? Did you break even and did you get to profitability within the first year? If so, when? If not, why not? In that first year of business, were there unforeseen things that happened that you could never have predicted? What were they? How did you handle them? How did your franchisor support you in that? Right? So many granular, detailed questions which which I cannot help the client answer, but the franchisees can. Mm -hmm. And in that same validation process, Amanda, I tell my clients, once you've established the rapport with the with the franchisee, you should absolutely ask questions like, you know, Amanda, um, you went through this process a couple of years ago when you were when you were considering buying into this franchise. So I'm sure you can imagine one of the biggest questions that I have in my mind is, is this franchise really going to be able to help me make the kind of income that they're telling me I can make? When did you get to that point? How much did you make by the end of the first year? Now, this is, so this is through validation. The other way mm-hmm. that clients will find out if in fact that business can give them the kind of income they're looking for is when they do a review with the franchisor of what's known as a franchise disclosure document. Now, you've heard me talk about this many times. The FDD, it's a legal document that every franchise, in order for them to legally sell franchise units in the United States, in fact, anywhere in the world, uh, but in the United States, they need to file this legal document with the Federal Trade Commission. The FDD essentially comprises 23 items or sections, and item 19 is one of the most important sections that my clients hone in on, and item 19 is essentially the earnings claim. This is Mm the part of the document where the franchisor will share with you, we have 150 franchisees in our system. Here's how much the top third, the middle third, and the bottom third are making, right? So there are different ways that the client starts to figure out as they get deeper into the due diligence process, is this the franchise for me or not? Based on not just the income question, a variety of other questions that may be particularly important to them,
0: to the client. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Great. That's wonderful. So, sorry, I gave you a super detailed answer to the income question. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Uh, so the uh, franchisee, or sorry, I yeah, beg your pardon, the franchisor will learn all about how much they are likely to make in this business, uh, is it typical for a franchisor to own one franchise, or is it more typical for them to own many or several? That's a great
1: question. And by the way, the franchisor is the mother company. The franchise, so the word oh, okay. franchise and franchisor mm-hmm. is used interchangeably. And when you buy into a franchise, you become a franchisee. Got it. So the franchisee, most most clients of mine, Amanda. They will buy one unit of a franchise. Um, There are many clients I have who, and again, this goes back to that first consultation that we have, where in addition to the skills inventory, right, the matching, uh, another set of questions that I ask the client is, why do you think, Amanda, at this point in your life and career, why is it that you believe a franchise is the answer for you, is the right vehicle for you? And through that question, what I try to uncover are the following: What are your personal goals with respect to the franchise? What are your lifestyle goals? What are your professional goals and what are your income goals? I have clients like this gentleman who was the telecom executive. Uh, one of the, his two biggest goals were number one. I want to be able to at least replicate my high six figure income that I had when I was in corporate. Replicate, if not exceed. And the number two, you know, my work in the corporate world, I had a lot of travel that I was doing each year, and I frankly missed out on my family, on my kids growing up. With this business, with this franchise, I want to be able to do work that gives me the kind of income I'm looking for, but at the same time, allows me to spend more time with my family and my loved ones. That's a lifestyle goal. So every client has very different goals that they come with, if that makes sense. And then once once I have a better understanding of that, I know the nuances of the different franchises I work with and that's where the fit starts to happen, where the matching starts to happen. Great, great.
0: Well, Jason, thank you so much for being with us today and talking to us about franchises as I said absolutely. one of the people I know the, the person I know who knows the most about them and uh, I very uh, and I pr- pretty much appreciate you taking the time absolutely
1: it's always such a delight speaking with you thank you so much